My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head Get it out of my head Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I have, I have, well, you I have. have guests here, but I'm, I forget who I am, but I'm the uh, script consultant and host of On the how long have you been? <laughs> how long have you been doing this? You know, it's you would think you plug in the song. Why don't you plug in your introduction too? I'm the instructor. No, you can keep it going. You keep it. You can, I'm the instructor, yeah. and script like consultant. Yeah, I'm the instructor and script consultant already. here at On the Page. And Yay. joining me as podcast producer is Adeep Desai. Hello, Hello. Adeep. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. What is this little piggy butt? That's looking oh, at me. Butt. I have this USB uh, drive oh. that it's like a little pig, <laughs> and, uh, cool. and it comes apart. It's a little butt. Yeah, it's a little pig just butt. looking at me. <laughs> oh my goodness! And also, we have a, a fantastic guest here. Who? It's so weird. You haven't been on the show in years because I feel. I mean, I, I've known you for a long time. Absolutely, it's such a no-brainer that to have you on the show, and you, you, you have been on the show. For questions. You really should. It was only a twenty-minute drive. So uh, this okay. is uh, we have as our guest Carl Iglesias. Woo. Yes, that Carl Iglesias. The, the Carl. The Carl Iglesias. Carl Iglesias. <laughs> um, of course, I'm sitting here without a bio. Carl, can you tell everybody about Ooh. the books that you have written, the titles yes. of them, and also what you're currently doing? Sure. Oh, good question. Um, well, I know after this podcast, I'm going to, to the writer's store to teach the Pixar uh, thing. Because oh. it's been sold out last time, last month, and they, they had a long waiting list for it. So they did another one. And so it's after this, what's, at, what's, at 2.30. Oh, at 2.30. It's what's, a Pixar's core. It? So it's um, talking about the uh, Pixar's emotional core. What do they do? What is that one thing they do that nobody else does and, that, and why they're so successful at it? Which is a combination of uh, character stakes, motivation, and I call it the emotional core, and I have a little formula for it, and I show clips about Pixar, and I show the ones, the other animations, uh, movies that that uh, don't do that, and you see the results, and why Pixar is so fantastically successful, and how they tell great stories, and I teach you how to do it. Wonderful, and we were yeah. talking about the next time that you do it, which mm -hmm. I guess has, is now <laughs> is the today, next but when but you hear this, I guess it will be. When there's a next next time, right. um, a couple weeks before that, we gotta get you on so that you can maybe cover oh, some of yeah. some of the 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 beats that yes. you'll be discussing because I know that right. there are people who are listening right now like how do I get my hands on that class there. yeah it's right. a really good right. idea and uh, tell everybody about the books oh too. the books right so um, about a twelve years ago I, bought, I wrote my first book called the one on one habits of highly successful screenwriters. Uh, which has been in, in printing for all these 12 years. And recently, last year, they did a 10th anniversary edition, and we did a second edition where we kind of removed some of the fat and added eight new screenwriters. Uh -huh. Oh, uh, Yeah, so one. it's got Tony Gilroy, oh, okay. uh, Terry Rossio, nice. uh, Aline Brosh-McKenna, wow. um, Derek Haas, mm -hmm. uh, and Michael Brand. So uh, a whole bunch of new screenwriters. So new tips, uh, same habits, but new tips, and <laughs> you know, because you get right into their habits. Um, and then my second book, of writing for emotional impact, which is all about the craft of screenwriting and uh, all about techniques to basically not be boring on the page. 
not be so boring. That's the only rule you can never break. Excellent. That's basically it. You know, there's out of all the rules of screenwriting, there's like, um, you know, thousands and thousands of rules and principles and everything. But there's only, and you can break all of them. Right. You, there's always an exception to one of them, right? Structure, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's only one rule that can never ever be broken, has never ever been broken, and never will be, because it's the essence of storytelling, which is be interesting. You can never break that. If you're not interesting on the page, if you're not, if you're boring on the page, which is the same thing, um, you fail. That's uh. what it's all about. The one rule. That's all. And all the other rules in the stratosphere of screenwriting <laughs> and storytelling is, is designed for that one rule it's of to not don't be boring. Don't be boring. Exactly. <laughs> don't be boring. Yeah. <laughs> That, so, should be, that should, that be, should be the motto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. That's gonna be my computers. next book. Don't be boring. No. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. You know what? <laughs> Go out. You should do that definitely. Um, well, I thought that would be a great, great excuse to finally answer yeah. some questions. People yeah. have said, "When are you going to do another Q and A podcast?" Because when we first started, that's all one? that we did. Well, you know, it's been a couple years. Right. I mean, wow. once we started getting great guests on like you, right. it was. That's true. That that kind of podcast hasn't really been. Right. We yeah. haven't had that. that yeah. We should have, like I said, on and a regular that, basis. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I thought, well, let's let's gather a couple questions that people are asking. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I put it out and said, you'd be the guest, we got some very specific ones, right. which is terrific. So I want to thank all the listeners who did that. Um, so we're just going to jump right into it with a couple, <laughs> couple of crafts. <laughs> <crapers. laughs> <Not> crappers. Not crappers. A couple of crafts. A couple of crappers. Yeah, let's not get into the laxative questions, please. Yes. Oh, Lord. Any craft questions. When you're backed up creatively, <laughs> that's a good quote-unquote laxative. Thing. Right, right. Here, Adip, why don't you read this one? Okay. I take the one-minute crapper. Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay, this is from Bill Zeinert. Hi, Bill. Hi, or Bill. Zeinert, I don't know how to pronounce it's it. It's Zeinert. He's oh, from the Midwest, Zynert. and he's oh. uh, an uh, ongoing client and listener, and oh, he's a very, very good writer. Okay, cool. Bill Z. Uh, <laughs> hi, Pilar. Carl's book is, for me, the best resource for creating compelling dialogue. I recommend his book wholeheartedly. How about that? Cool. I agree. I love that book. Here's my question. What is the difference between suspense and anticipation, and what are some techniques for creating both? Wow. That is a great That's question. A tough one. Yeah. Suspense Let me put that in front of me so <laughs> anticipation. Yes. Well, th those are two very important emotions mm -hmm. in in storytelling uh this this there's a whole bunch of others um i do speak about these uh, extensively in the book in terms of uh the book is designed with offering techniques to create those emotions mm -hmm. so suspense and anticipation are two emotions but they're two different ones um they're kind of related but they're they're different um suspense is actually not knowing what's going to happen you, and in fact, the higher the suspense, the more you anticipate that something bad is gonna happen. So for example, the traditional suspense thing of the ticking bomb and there's only seven seconds to, uh, to you know, take the wire off mm. and not make the bomb explode. Well, seven seconds, there's a high probability that it's gonna explode. So it's, it's a, an anticipation of, of, of dread, basically, um, or something bad happening. So that's suspense. Anticipation is just anticipation. And anticipation, you can anticipate something good happening, which is hope. Or you can, you know, you can anticipate a phone call. You can anticipate uh, the boy and the girl getting together at the end. You can anticipate the uh, hero finding the treasure. So anticipation is a crucial element in all stories, no matter what genre. Um, and uh, but suspense is the anticipate not knowing what's going to happen. So it's really kind of like a question mark of anticipation. 
Um, so that's, a, that's the difference between the two. That, make, that makes sense. Oh. Also, it seems like, you know, suspense, based on your definition of it, mm-hmm. also feels more genre-driven. Right. You know, it, will suspense be in a romantic comedy? Mm-hmm. Not often. Could right. romance be in a suspense movie? Of right. course. Right, right. Um, so it's 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 that bigger moment exactly. than just what. Although I always gives say you. that suspense should be in every story, also because the every good story has the, the the question, the central dramatic question, right? Of will the hero blank? Will they will they get the girl? Will they accomplish? So in the rough story, you should have suspense in the sense of not knowing if they're going to get together at the end, or if you think they're going to get together at the end, not knowing how they will get together. So that's at a the larger end. question, as yeah. opposed to those little anticipated moments that get you to that large. Right. moment of suspense. That right. makes what are, sense. What are so, some ways to yeah. create that suspense? Uh, um, in terms of uh, uh, suspense, um, well, you know, it, the most important thing is setting up the setting up the elements of of not knowing. So, uh, so the good example of a ticking clock, for example. Well, ticking clock creates the tension, but if you know what the answer is going to be, then you don't have suspense. So uh, there's three. There's actually. Um, Three or four elements uh, that create the suspense. One, one is you need to have character connection. In other words, you need to have empathy for the character. You need to care about the character in order to have suspense. Because if, if uh, let, let's use the traditional example actually that um, that Hitchcock uses uh, to delineate the, the difference between suspense and surprise. So he uses the example of let's see, all of us here are sitting mm-hmm. down at a restaurant and we're talking, right? And we're talking about the weather, something really boring. And there's a bomb under the under the under the table. There's a bomb we, under the table. <clears throat> what? Yeah, and, okay. But we don't know that. We don't know there's a bomb. So the bomb explodes, and there's a big big surprise, um, and uh, shock. Right. So that's so. So Hitchcock used to say, "Well, you have five seconds of shock. That's mm-hmm. great. But what if we are sitting same same thing? We're sitting at a restaurant and we're talking about the weather. And now the camera goes down and shows us that there's a a bomb under the table and there's 15 minutes before it goes off. There's a ticking clock, 15 Mm -hmm. minutes going. And then you go back, you go back to the table and we're still talking about the weather. Suddenly the scene now is very suspenseful and very tense because we're going, oh my God, there's a bomb that's going to explode in 15 minutes. You guys don't know about it. That's Mm -hmm. dramatic irony. Um, And you, come on, get out, look under the table, drop your forks. Like, you know, you're at the edge of your seats for 15 minutes. And Hitchcock argued that it's better to have 15 minutes of tension than five seconds of surprise. Interesting. So that's, so the whole thing. So he always said, like, you show the, show the bomb. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, you hopefully care about the characters in, in the table when you show that 15 minutes. If, if there was a table of villains all talking, let's say it was, you know, like Hitler and North Korea and, and the Iranian president, right? They're all talking about, about something and you show the bomb, then you'll be like, you were looking forward to the bomb exploding. Or you're and looking forward to not, you know, It's anticipation, but also not knowing what's going to happen. Okay, so, so you know, but it's not suspense it's because not if suspense, you don't okay. care about the characters, there's no suspense. You I don't, see. you don't. So there's, that's, there's that's no a tension. Key component, right? Yeah. Okay. The second one is high probability of threat. In other right. words, if you show a bomb and there's like 30 days before it goes off, <laughs> well, that's not suspense because there's a high probability that somebody's going to find it and and diffuse it. Uh, so the higher the probability of threat, meaning the closer you are to something bad happening, the higher the suspense. Um, 
And then the, the last one is um, unpredictability. It's not knowing what's going to happen. Will they find the bomb? Will they not find the bomb? Would somebody drop the, uh, drop the fork and find it? Uh, will, the, will the waiter find it? I mean, we don't know. And so that creates suspense. So it's really a question mark, creating that curiosity of, or the mystery of not knowing what's going to happen. And, and going with that curiosity, yeah. too, on a scene level, on, uh, at the very end of a scene, mm -hmm. I'd also suggest that this is a great... Uh, reason to cut endings of scenes. Yes. A lot of times when people bury their suspense or they bury the anticipation mm -hmm. is because they answer a question at the end of the scene. If you leave it on a question, right. then we're anticipating the answer in the next scene right. or down the road. Right. Thank you very much. Yep. Let's go to the next question. Here we go. Oh. Go ahead, Indy. Okay, from Peter Birdsong. Mm, I and, like the name. Uh, yeah, that's a good name. Uh, how... <laughs> <laughs> uh, how does a love scene fit properly inside a story with a plot that isn't romantic? For example, Terminator. Hmm. A love scene. Love scene. Yeah. Okay, so we're not just talking we're about, talking about like, a romantic. Love? Well, let's talk about, talk about, about both fit? of them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I I think a love scene fits in any in any story. Um, mm -hmm. It really really depends on how you set it up. Really. Um, I mean, it was set up uh, beautifully in Terminator because it was that was the story. The mm -hmm. story was that. Well, I don't want to give it away for those who haven't seen it. <laughs> spoiler but alert! Spoiler, for okay, spoiler like alert for anybody who hasn't year. seen the Terminator. But you know the you know the the guy who sends the Terminator the, the who says who sends the hero back in time to save his mother. Uh, is the father of that baby? What? So it was like you know. So they have yeah. to show them having sex uh, to, to to create, to create that, that. So it's that, actually part yeah. of the plot. It's part of it the plot. Yeah. It's a very huge part of the plot. Like they have to fall in love. So, yeah. um, but in any story, I think I think you know, just because you have uh, two people falling in love doesn't mean it's a it's a love story or romance. It, it could be in a thriller or drama or western. Doesn't matter. Um, but. You know, it's just a matter of setting up their their love for each other, or or even their lust. If it just happens to be a you know one night stand or something, if you if you have the the scene before that at a bar and they seduce each other and then cut cut to the love scene, that makes sense. So anything that's set up properly, the love scene would be a good payoff for that. So I like I know. like um, in in certain genre movies, action movies, thrillers. Uh, crime dramas where they actually use the knowledge or the skills of the characters as a unique form of foreplay. So oh. the idea of hmm. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm intrigued. Say please more. Say well, more. Well, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, you know what? A shooting contest. Okay. That's foreplay. Okay. A shooting contest. Yeah. Let's for, say okay. let's say that they were doing target practice. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh when we're together, then when they're together, and then that's foreplay. Okay. Right, right, okay. Right, right, right. Um, yes. Yes. Right. Shooting yeah. contest. That sounded weird. Um, <laughs> uh, comparing of scars. Right. Right. Okay? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. That's that's foreplay. Right. Um, the the uh, citing of statistics as far as criminals goes. Really, right. you know, uh, I think it's this fingerprint. Well, I think it's that. You know, right. that's foreplay. Right. All those things heat up. A relationship. So if you're not actually using right. the language and skills of the people who would be part of that genre right. as the thing that paves the way to romance, if you're just doing that conventional eyes meet, hands touch right. BS, then mm -hmm. it then it doesn't feel special and it doesn't feel like it's part of the movie. Wasn't right. it like Police Academy two or three where they like had guns all over them, <coughs> and that was part of the. Yeah, it was actually right, foreplay, right, right. but they were like taking off like gun after gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. whoa, 
that's amazing. Right. Like, yeah. how do you, you know, I always want to find things like that in, that is, in yeah. romantic subplots or it's, even. It's, it's about it's being interesting. Yeah. And, stuff. and that's part of being interesting, something you've yeah. never seen before. Yeah. Yeah, know? exactly. So. I mean, even going to a romantic comedy for a second that was right. different, which is uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, okay. how did they connect? Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, what college did you go to? It, it was, was, oh, you were on Zoloft. God, right. that yeah. was. <laughs> it was this discussion of meds, right? right? right. That was exactly. their foreplay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so that's the key. You had the, <laughs> foreplay is the key word here um, <laughs> in terms of setting it up. You set, you have to set up something before the love scene. If, if you have like, if you don't have the foreplay, if you have just uh, like in a thriller, action, action, yeah. action, love scene, action, 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 it is going to seem a little They're out of really, place, which really I think is what, yeah. the, what that question was about. Like, how do you, yeah. But I liked what you said too about the fact that if love drives it, then yeah. also it really should be there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you have that that action movie where it's like, oh look, the, the hero is so hot, at, he gets the girl and yeah, he wants her. Right, yeah. Yeah. Make, him, just, make him work for it. Exactly, know? and make it the stakes it of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, okay, this is uh, from Ramona Robinson. She's from New York City. Ramona Hello, Ramona. Robinson, New York. Hi, Ramona. Does he have any opinion on the use of flash forwards in scripts? Does Carl oh, have Carl. any opinion? Does Carl, I was going to say, who's <laughs> Carl? <laughs> what do you think about flash forwards? Um, Not flashbacks, flash forwards. Like, like in Lost can, or in... Can uh, you, yeah, are we talking about like actually showing the future? Yeah, you know, I think Fringe. this would probably apply the most to a or, teaser, right? Like, yeah, well, there's two types of flash forward. I mean, there's a flash forward like in Lost where we're talking, they're actually showing uh, whole storylines mm -hmm. taking place in the future. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, which in light of what we've seen before is very compelling. Yeah. And dramatic. There's another type of flash forward, which is the uh, you see that mostly in comedies, mm -hmm. and it's what I call the um, uh, the Scrubs uh, effect. Remember Scrubs, mm -hmm. the TV oh, show? Yeah. So they used to show uh, what the character when the character is talking about something. They used to show the consequence of what they were thinking of doing in a very like one second long, and that created the laughter. Like how um, I met your mother does those. Yeah. Um, Exactly. It's not used a lot, though, is it? It's not used a lot, but it but it's it's used for comedic effect. Yeah. And that's the, the but that's a very like that's a one second, two yeah. second clip of showing what would happen. So, mm -hmm. um, but in movies, I mean, I'm trying to think of any examples of movies where we've seen flashbacks. You can come up with some because if you do it, you're giving away yeah. the the answer. When right, we just talked yeah, about the answer, right. give can dilute the si suspense. Right. But it is a convention often used in the first scene of a movie. That's what I mean, sort of a teaser. Yeah. to show you know something that's going to go. happen oh, especially that kind of flash forward yeah, we, yeah. we call it the J.J. Abrams opening yeah. right. okay, totally okay. Yeah, so yeah. the J.J. Abrams <laughs> opening which is kind of like showing which is literally showing kind of like the climactic or the all is lost moment yes. right right as an opening of your story, yeah. because then it sets up the question yeah. is how they're gonna, first of all, two questions. First, how did they get there mm -hmm. in that situation? And two, how are they gonna get out of it? Mm -hmm. And that keeps you hooked for the whole show because yeah. then you wanna know. So it's a, it's a very, now it's a very common thing. It's now almost becoming cliche, that, yeah, but it has okay. its own name. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but if that's what you mean by flash forward, um, I think it could work. It's not. I, th I think it's not a bad thing. I think it you works. Know? I think it works yeah. very well if if used that way. Right. Right. And that it it, right. it and also what I like is not only where we see where it's going to go, right. but that we see where it's going to go. Then we build up to it, like you said, at the yeah. end of Act Two, not at right. the very end. And then we see even more right. because we assume one thing at the top. And then we build up to it, and then we find out that our assumption might actually have been wrong. That there's more 
to it. Right. It, it's now becoming such a convention that, right. you know, it's become a convention. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you, have to, you still yeah. have to do it in an interesting way. Exactly. So it's become this structural uh, kind of element, yeah. Yeah. right? More than a like an emotional thing like it seems like a lot of people are just throwing them in at the beginning just to work their way it, it's a, back it's a, to it it's a but way it of creating, creating excitement everybody wants yeah. to because you talk, talk about the first five pages the first ten pages yeah. so they want to create okay how do I make this exciting mm -hmm. I, you know I have to make it exciting I have to hook the reader um, so they come on, you know, action scene or love scene or something that's exciting, and then they start their story. Mm -hmm. But I mean, my advice with that, and I agree, you should make your pages exciting. But you know, the first ten pages is is reserved for your character introduction, is reserved for your world building, it's mostly reserved for character empathy. Meaning that you you have to connect with a character right off the bat, so that anything else that happens, you're gonna be hooked and you're gonna follow that character. So, but if you can create a character introduction, character empathy in an interesting, exciting way, then mm. that's the best way to do it. I, I, I am know. still, I think, a, a fan of the teaser right up front yeah. because it, it does nail the genre and allows you mm -hmm. to then step back and right. slowly build your character. Right. It's the question of, is it the same old teaser that we're always seeing these right. days? So yeah, flash forward could be interesting, bringing us in on heightened emotion is what that does and right. says these exactly. are going to be the consequences we think and we right. know stakes cut well, right we kind of no stakes right. there's emotional stakes at least when you see a climax you see everyone right. freaking out and you're like ah there's something exactly. okay something's gonna happen and we right. don't know what that thing is but i right. want to see how we got here yeah like let's say we, we saw um a main character who is about to throw himself out of a building Okay, yeah. and he's he's sweating and he's anxious and all that stuff. That's that's emotion, and and right. we're locked into him and we're wondering what's going and on. Suspense. And then we cut to six weeks earlier, right. and he is the most carefree guy in the world. He's popular. He's surrounded by people. He's doing something that we do every day. That immediately mm -hmm. creates a question, right. and we wonder, wait, how did what that happened? guy yeah. start here? Right. So we invest a little bit more. Right. So it, it can work. Just don't. Don't do it by the book. You know, come right. up with something. And don't know. use cliches. Just be, be interesting. Be creative Be creative. About it. Be original. Right. right. And I was thinking, too, in terms of what moment you choose in your story, it doesn't really, it doesn't just have to be the all is lost or the climax. It could be any high point mm. that creates any kind of suspense. Yeah. Like it could be a midpoint. It could be, uh, you know, any turning point, really. Hmm. 500 Days of you Summer know. was all about that. Oh, yeah. It kept saying, this is what happened. And talk about and then, an original script. Yeah, man. and it, yeah. It, it used its flash forwards as its structural conceit. Right. So if, Ramona, that's something you're interested in doing, really check out that structure and also ask yourself what it would be like if it was laid out in a linear fashion and how did they then break it up so that it still felt interesting even though we knew what was going to happen. Right. Um, let's go to, these were a couple of questions that were put out on Facebook. Okay, so... Uh, can you read that, or should your, I read that? What is that? your Facebook page? I tried to look you up on Facebook for the... Oh, for, for on the, the page? For on the page. I couldn't find you. It's on the page. On, I put on the page and nothing came I out. I don't know. Really? It's 2,500 people on there. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'll try to look it up. Yeah. Did you block Carl? Did I? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Remember you talked about... <laughs> like, oh, well, is that what happens when you lock somebody up? You can't no, find it? No, 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 no. Like if you put no, on the no. page and... No, it's, it's, they it's don't a, want you to find me. It's a page I mean, they could block That might be an idea. Anybody can be on a page page. Right, right. Yeah, like it's a fan page. Yeah. Well, that's why I was trying to find a fan page. That's weird. So I could look up the Who knows? 
Oh, so this is from Michael Willis. Hey, Mike, how hey. you doing? Um, and this is not this is not the the Mike Willis who's in the Mid East, but a shout out to him too. Okay, okay. Go ahead. And we're just doing <laughs> doing his question. Right? Yes, or we're doing his, all three on here. No, just just, just okay. his question. All right, your book on writing with emotion, Carl is I added the Carl is chock full <laughs> of great insight and focal considerations. So is there a hierarchy of <laughs> layers one should work through when considering each component of a script? Story arc, character dialogue. Thanks. Wow. Yeah. That's a great question. So, um, so he wants to know sort of what you, what takes precedence, right? Like like mm-hmm. what what's what's the highest priority, I should say, sto- story arc, right. character, dialogue. Yeah. It's all and the reason I say it's a great question is because that happens a lot in you know when I consult and 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 look at scripts that don't work. Um, and when you're trying to guide the student in creating the story, it goes to um, what do you think about first? Mm-hmm. And it really depends on what type of story you want to tell. But if we took out the, cl- the classic story of a character who you care about, who has a flaw, who wants something, and through the, the journey of the, of the movie, whether they get it or not, they're transformed, hopefully for the better. Mm-hmm. And that's what a story is. So to me, and reveals a theme. So to me, uh, I mean, the only thing I can do is really share my process in terms of, of what do I tackle first? Because everybody has their own different process and everybody looks at different things. Uh, and I know from, uh, you know, Pilar, you have different ways of tackling, of entering a story, which I yeah. think is great, of different, uh, you know, if you start with a story, or if you start with a character, or if you start with structure, uh, which, is, which, is, which is valid. Um, for me, it's all about theme mm-hmm. because, because the purpose of a story for me is to say something about huh. something. So I always think about theme. What, are you try- what, is, your, what is your story trying to say? Which then gives you that that theme. So let's talk about any classic movie. I could talk about Pixar because they're on the forefront of my mind right now. So uh, let's uh, let's which, look which at Finding Finding Nemo, for example. Oh, finding, okay. okay. So Finding Nemo uh, is a story of this of this father who who really has a problem with his with his kid because it's his only son. He's lost three hundred ninety nine of his other children and eggs at the beginning of the story and he has this problem because he's a little overprotective mm-hmm. okay and that leads to his son um you know disagreeing with him challenging him and then he goes into the ocean and gets caught by uh, by a, a scuba diver and the father loses his son basically and so the whole story is the father searching for his son right finding nemo and in the process of doing that he transforms so he has to transform from being an overprotective father who's causing a rift in the relationship to a loving father who's allowing his son to be free and to take risks and stuff. And that's what the father who's afraid of all the stuff that's happening in the ocean becomes. He changes for the better, thanks to his little friend. Um, So if you start with this theme of, you know, overprotectiveness versus being a good father, um, that to me leads to the character flaw. In other words, okay, if you if your theme is you have to be uh, an open father, okay, let's say that that's your 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 theme, uh, your lesson in a sense, then you have to start with a character who is overprotective, and so you start, and then you you can also answer, well, how did he become overprotective? You can go for backstory, which is what Pixar did. Um, so you have the character flaw. You have the end of that, which would be the opposite. He goes from. Uh, a scared, overprotective father to a, to a father who's open and loving, okay. Um, which then leads to how do you go from these two points, and that's your plot. Mm-hmm. 
So, so that that yeah. helps so you. So theme, character, arc, plot. So that helps you with your yeah. structure. Absolutely. Too. That's your, Absolutely. That's yeah. your form right, right there. Right. So when I talk about structure, um, and and I'll talk about it in in the Pixar seminar, there's there's the structure that everybody talks about, which I consider it the external structure, the mm-hmm. plot plot structure really. But there's also what I like to talk about, which is the character structure, and the character structure is. Is similar to structure, but it's told from the point of view of the character. In other words, the plot points and the turning points in the story is from the, the inner character journey. So they start with a flaw. What's the turning point in that flaw? What's the midpoint of that flaw? What's the end result leading to the what I call the noble choice, mm-hmm. which is the moment where the character learns something and chooses to do the right thing, and that tells the audience that the character has learned, and that tells indirectly the audience what the what the theme is the answer to that theme, what the lesson is, and um, you go into your climax. Um, so. I have a question for you because yeah. the when it comes to theme, yeah. um, sometimes I find that, I mean, it's a great way to find find your story and structure and, right, and, I, and right. I love the idea that you sort of make, say, okay, let's, let's right. start with that. But sometimes then a, a writer writes something and finds that they've discovered yeah. another theme or actually a mm-hmm. stronger theme is coming And that's totally through. okay, yeah. That's, that's totally all okay. right? Absolutely, okay. yeah. There's, there are writers there are writers who, who um, actually, I always, I'm always reminded of the, there's a Paddy Shayevsky quote uh, where he says, lucky is the writer who finds his theme before mm-hmm. the, before starting the, the story mm-hmm. because you can have, and, it, and it's a, a very common advice to, want, if you find your theme, to type it on a piece of paper on an index card and make sure it's in front of you at all times so that when you think about dialogue and scenes and, and characters and uh, counter characters, which represent the other side of your theme, and you put them together, you're always thinking about that, which is the way it should be. But there are also a lot of writers who say, I never discover my theme until the third draft. And, you know, mm-hmm. they just, you, that's fine too. There's no right or wrong here. It's just a. If you're overly find married your theme to later. it, and are constantly trying to put it out. I mean, you sort yeah, of have so, to well, let everything express it rather right, than... Right, right, That's a different than, angle of that. Yeah. It's a, I mean, uh, you know, yes, lucky is the writer who knows his theme, but it doesn't mean that if I mean, if you're a terrible writer, you will always like shout it out to people and create bad <laughs> scenes and bad dialogue. That's right. not what it's about. It's about knowing what it is, which is uh, an- another uh, way of looking at it is what's your central dramatic argument. Mm-hmm. And what that, or th- I should say the central thematic argument. Um, uh, we were watching, um, we're, we're catching up on the, uh, me and my wife are catching up on the last eight episode of Fringe that uh, the oh, TV yeah. show Fringe which yep. we haven't seen uh, we I'm, haven't seen I'm the end of it season two right now. oh okay good yeah. so I won't say anything so we're <laughs> in the last season and, and it was amazing like how the show the show is like most of their quiet scenes where they have a lot of dialogue are really about the central thematic argument it's, it's clearly they have these one character has certain views the other character's view and they're opposite each other and you see them arguing about it it's different different layers different parts of the onion that they're discussing uh, but that's what it is. That's what a story is. It's a, it's a battle between these two arguments mm-hmm. and then eventually lead to the conclusion. And whatever the character chooses to do at the end is the answer. And it's not a right or wrong answer. Sure. Um, it's just uh, that's what the author has chosen to do, which is really, that is the purpose of a story. You, you, why you're writing the story? Mm-hmm. You're writing the story to say something. Right. And whatever that something is. And if you look at the history of movies, the movies that are classic movies, that are timeless, that could be viewed a hundred times, then never lose their excitement, even though you know the plot and the characters are the ones who are thematically rich and who have characters who transform. 
Well, thank you, you Mike know. Willis, for your question. <laughs> no, and thank you for your yeah, answer, Yeah, it's a Carl. great, thank you. It's a, it's, it's a great question. Uh, Adeep, do you want to read the second one, or do you want... To, other questions? Are we doing okay? Oh, the? yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, right. Here you go. This All is right. from Brian, Brian Harvey. Brian Harvey from Facebook. <laughs> when Hi, write, Facebook. Hello, Facebook. <laughs> I am Facebook. Uh, when writing a true story, how do you juggle adding emotions to a character for story purposes while trying to keep close to the real-life person? Mm. So adapting a hmm interesting question uh, true um, life story. I'm trying to figure out if I can understand it. I, my my instinct tells me that uh, he wants to know, or is it a it's well, a he or she? Um, yeah, it's Brian. Brian wants to know um, how do you stay true to the true events of the story, and uh, which is the argument between true facts versus dramatization of those facts. Actually, is that what he's asking is how, how do you bring emotion in? Because because sometimes. Yeah. Let's say you bring emotion in and you go, but I don't right. know how they felt in that moment. This is where you... You're talking about how they're feeling? Yes. In the story? Yeah, he's actually okay. saying, look, if you know, if emotion drives a, a story, right. which it does, how does right. somebody feel right. about an event, then okay. how do I lace in that emotion, right. which I may not have experienced myself or even witnessed or even know for a fact is okay. true and be true to the story? Okay. I think that it's... <clears throat> I think it's it is the struggle, mm -hmm. but I also think it is the only reason to write something right. from right. from fact that you have decided um, there's an emotional angle you want to take. Right. Um, well, this actually this leads to an, uh, another very common um, issue with and challenges with screenwriting and screenwriters, and a question I get a lot, and that has to do with character emotions versus audience emotion. Mm -hmm. This is a very very valid. Uh, very important distinction and uh, a lot of writers confuse the two um, when I first started teaching uh, my class uh, at UCLA it was called evoking emotion on the page mm -hmm. and a lot of the students thought when they signed up to the class that it meant how do you create emotion in the characters mm -hmm. how do you make somebody cry <laughs> uh, you know it's all this stuff mm -hmm. right um, and I always had to tell them no, this is not what the class is about. It's not about making characters cry. It's not about dealing with the character emotions. You will deal with that when you create your story. That's part of storytelling. What you should focus about is the audience emotions. In other words, what is the effect of your story on the reader reading your script or the audience watching your movie in the theater? So I always use the example of uh, the opening of Jaws. So uh, it's a dum dum. Okay. <laughs> so you see uh, the opening of Jaws. You see this this uh, woman, and she's mm -hmm. naked, and she's uh, swimming uh, on the ocean, right? And I always ask the audience, "Well, what is the character feeling in that moment? What is the uh, you know?" And they all go peaceful, relaxed, happy. You know, she's she's really swimming, and she's happy at that moment. Then we hear dum 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 dum. What are we feeling suddenly? The audience. Mm -hmm. We're feeling ten tension, mm -hmm. fear. Worry, anxiety, anxiety yeah. right? Two different emotions. Another great example is, is comedy. The, you know, somebody slips on a banana peel, we laugh as an audience. What is the character feeling? That he's feeling hurt, humiliation, yeah. embarrassment, right? <laughs> right? Two different emotions. So it's really not about what the character is feeling. That comes naturally and obviously you should think about it. But what you should be more concerned about as a writer is what the audience is going to feel. Because let's look at this uh, moment that they're talking about, a real-life moment, whatever it is. And let's say in the real-life moment, the character was sad. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to show the character crying. Uh, 
in that scene, and that really happened in real life. Okay, great, but I may be bored to tears mm -hmm. watching or reading this, and that's not a good thing. So this is this brings up another uh, very important element of this question, which is dramatization of events, uh, of true life events. And Argo is a perfect example because that came. That's the the last example that everybody talks about. About Argo, what really happened? Did does that really happen? And should Argo be responsible for the way they told the story, the way they did, like mm -hmm. the truck going after the plane on on the runway? Well, that never really happened. Nobody even knew. That the, right. that the six people escaped until they actually were in Switzerland, mm -hmm. okay? So does, it does the, is the writer wrong for doing that? Is Ben Affleck wrong for, doing, for telling that story the same for the, that way? No, even though they were based on true life events, that's an argument that we can make for hours and hours and hours about dramatization. And it's something I deal with a lot in, in, uh, in, when I consult because a lot, of the write, a lot of the scripts that I read happen to be based on true life events, right? That's usually the impetus of a writer writing their script. Mm -hmm. or, you know, like uh, the last one was writing about their father because they're doing, their father was an interesting man, had an interesting life, so I'm going to write about it. But a lot of the events are just the way you're telling the story is boring. And, and, and they say, but it happened <laughs> But it way. happened, exactly. Right. That's yeah. the most common response. Yeah, how do you not you know, become a so slave to the real, the, the true life events it, and like that's break, what it is. break yourself from mm -hmm. that? It's about well, dramatization. You got to think about drama first, storytelling first, and then the real life events second. In other words, the real life events inspire the story. That's great. But there's a difference between a great story and a great story well told. Mm. Okay, mm -hmm. and that's the well told. Well told part is the what you should be concerned about. That's what craft is. Uh, I could tell the story the way it happened, but if it's not that interesting, or I'm putting you to uh, putting you to sleep saying that, then I fail. But you know, if you, you know? look at the social network for for a second, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So yes, all those things happened not particularly in that order, and right. nobody knows for sure if what dro drove the main oh. character to create the world's largest social network was actually landing a girl, a girl right. or getting back exactly. at a girl. Right. But the writer decided for emotional impact in order to tell exactly. this story and to create any kind of a story, exactly. I'm going to decide that that that's my thesis. Because there's no story for that movie if it's, I just like programming and I wanted to make money. Right, right. or no one wants right. to watch that exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, so it, it actually, if you even want to write anything from mm -hmm. fact, you have to decide what's your emotional angle. Mm -hmm. And if you've decided that Lincoln and uh, Mary Todd are going to have a, a big domestic fight, then you can mm -hmm. write that. Right. Because at the time, we know the situation around it was true. Right. Right? There was, but we there don't were, know the details. Right. Dead children. Yeah. There was somebody going into the, into, back into the army. All that stuff. So one can imagine that that created any number of emotions. Right. And the writer chooses right. an emotion to play, mm -hmm. and it invests us in the next real life event that comes right. along in the movie. Right. So don't completely lose sight of the events, but do right. feel free to figure out from your writer's imagination exactly. what somebody might be feeling right. at the time that could create the right emotion for the audience. I have right. a follow-up to that. What sure. about adaptations? Like, because mm -hmm. you get into the same kind adaptations of... Adaptations of a book? Of, of or book like, let's say, Jurassic Park. It's okay, whatever. sure. Yeah. Like, how do you balance what's... Or Harry Potter is a great example because, mm -hmm. you know, people are fanatical right. about it. Right, How do you balance that? Okay, this is the, the property. This is the beloved property. Right. Well, it is a challenge. It, it is a challenge. How do you balance that, like, without 
you know, angering the people who are super right. fans and still making it effective. You'll always you'll always anger somebody who's yeah, a, a yeah. true fan of the book. And yeah. movies can never, uh, you know, the one thing I hear over and over is that movies are are a different thing yeah. than a book. You know, a yeah. book the book is published. The book has its own story, and it's there for you to enjoy. The movie is another way of telling that story and it's and, and you obviously you can't take everything from the book and put it in the movie so it's really the screenwriter's challenge is to take what's the most dramatic story what's the core of that story um, and and pick all the scenes and all the elements that fit that core uh, or the spine uh, William Goldman calls it the spine and yeah. you know it's whatever fits in that spine belongs and whatever doesn't fit in that spine doesn't belong even if it's a great scene and you have to be you know ruthless yeah, you have about to be ruthless it. about it yeah, but it's it part also, of the whole kill your babies it also yeah. goes back to your yeah. to your uh, theory about theme mm -hmm. um, often when my clients go in let's say they've been given a book to come back in and pitch and say what right. what would be your pitch mm -hmm. on adapting this book right. okay we're thinking of giving you the assignment right the successful ones come back in and pitch theme they come in and they say, you know, based on what I read, right. the strongest theme that's coming through is this. Right. Based on that theme, right. I'm going to craft the story around the theme in this way. Exactly. And these characters bring that out, and this event brings right. it out. So That is the smart fun. way to do it. Yeah. 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 Now, um, there, I think we have one more question on Facebook. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Gorilla Girl, G-U-E-R-R-I-L-A. Gorilla Girl. Not Gorilla, Gorilla. How... How to lift a gruesome episode into one with an element of humor. Beatings, pain, death, rape are a large part of the overall must bring irony witty and Ooh. even a bit of silly in to add diversion <laughs> and avoid macabre. Anui, thank you. Wow. Okay, wait, wait a second. You're going to have to read it for the <laughs> listeners now, Adeem. Here, you well, want me no, to do it? Okay. I figured he's trying to figure out what it I'm means. To, I'm like, okay, uh, I'm yeah, what order are the words in? Okay, um, basically... How do you take a scene uh, that's kind of brutal and gruesome, like a beating, torture, rape, murder? How do you make it fun? And make it and introduce humor into it, right? So if it's not necessarily a scene so much, but but if there's if there's a movie that deals with these themes, right. how do you sort of in, is, intercut lightness, or how do you bring any kind of which lightness? Which is like to what it? Breaking Bad does really right. well. Breaking Bad does do it really well. Why do? You, how do you think it does it well? I think because we um, we understand. For me, it's that we love these characters and we understand that they they're humorous people. Like in their life, this is mm -hmm. how I, I do it. And and the stakes are really really high. A lot of people are going to die, and. Yeah, they're cooking meth, but it's like it's how they're cooking it. It's like if if Aaron Paul's just like running around being an idiot, like that's funny, but that's true mm. to his character. Like he's humorous in that way. But the overall, when you look at Breaking Bad, it's like uh, a guy with terminal cancer cooking meth to save money for his family is a very dark. It's pretty. Premise. It's, it's about as dark as it gets. Right. So, you know, I think what it comes down to is tone, really, and tone is such a ethereal thing yeah. it's like you know it, it it's part of craft but i think it's part of that element that you can't really teach it's one of those things that you know in a script can fail or succeed in tone alone you know um and there there's uh, you know there the what she's talking about i think is black comedy black comedy yeah. is yeah. comedy that that deals with really dark elements um and you just have to study how they did it, you know, in a know. sense. Because I, I don't know how to answer that question. I, I, I think tone is actually 
uh, created by event, by the, by the choices that you make as far as your scenes. Right. Do you put in this or don't you put in that? Right. So like uh, Tarantino, right? Right. Is take take the take Reservoir Dogs and that okay. classic. Um, uh, torture scene mm-hmm. okay. set to music right. right where he was actually dancing while torturing right. okay yeah but it doesn't make us laugh it doesn't but right. there's a certain, certain amount of lightness to it, to it yeah. that ge- yeah. that that now it yeah. created his own brand yeah. of crime story you right, wouldn't right, right. say oh, he writes comedy i agree he I agree. writes you're right he writes crime he, right. he writes heavy heavy right. stuff that has this uh, I don't know this yeah. irony this this wit to it right. but right. it's become his own genre it's become right. he has created his own tone as a result right. now right. you know if it's a well let's try to talk, let's try to figure um, what are some because he's not really comedies you're right about that let's talk about comedies that are like quote, black comedies can we think of any that are dark comedies? I can think of the uh, the bomb the the one with Peter Sellers but uh, she wants to know how like, do you, you know, take a, a dramatic, a dramatic right. thing and, and add comedy, humor. Yeah. Right, That's which biggest, is which is I don't know how challenge. to answer. That. <laughs> I'm not well, a, I'm not I, a humor expert. I think I think it's but it's yeah, I can't tell you how to do it. I That's will, my okay, answer. Well, but I, if you do, I think, you I, think know. I've got, I think I've got some ideas. Okay, okay? because if you look at that, like a pro, remember we just talked about like in certain genre movies you can yeah. do certain sort of hard-edged language or scars and that's foreplay that's suddenly romance right, you can right. do the same thing and like by making that torture scene a dance there was this lightness to it or by heightening the violence in Django right. so that it was literally pulpy right. you know it okay. suddenly became more comic book style right. um, you know I, what does it well is Die Hard okay because okay it's it's about terrorists taking over a building and the main character who's you know divorced and estranged or estranged from his wife and he's visiting for christmas from new york and he's stuck in this building and like a lot of the scenes have so much humor in them right but they're torture scenes or the you know he's murdering somebody and it's because of his point of view and we can kind of see from his point of view like this is this is dramatic, but this is also funny because of X. Like, he doesn't have shoes, and he's running around walking on glass trying to shoot somebody. Like, that's funny. And he's actually experiencing, and he's the, experiencing pain. the pain. Right. And, you know, that may, the more human he was, yeah. the more you couldn't help but smile. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's not that you're laughing, but there's right. a, it, an amount of charm or yeah, lightness that's right. coming through. Yes, he also has those killer, like, uh, oh, yeah, you know, oh, this will kill, yeah, yeah, yeah. kill you, like yeah, when he right, steals yeah. a pack of cigarettes from, yeah, right, the, right, from right, the dead yeah. guy. Oh, James Bond, too, is a James good example. Bond James Bond, the old, especially the old James Bonds used to have more of those wisecracks, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or even all the, all the action films from the 80s and 90s, the you know, the Arnold Schwarzeneggers and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think also how you, you know? use your setting sometimes. Yeah. If, if, let's say, you're um, killing somebody with uh, some kind of domestic object with a spoon you, you know what I mean right sometimes <laughs> that gives it this quirkiness that's yeah. Yeah. interesting or if you're interrogating somebody mm-hmm. in a schoolroom. okay right. so, so you know this lightness doesn't always have to be laughing but it gives it its unique tone right so I, I no, I, and, I, and she's I talking about irony and wit, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's all about so, tone. But I mean, yeah. I still maintain that that you cannot. I don't think you can teach them. You can learn tone, mm-hmm. I think, by by watching similar movies that that deal with those aspects. Like, like if you, I'm sure, if you research dark comedies or black comedies, and you get a whole list of them, you're going to find these comedies deal with really dark 
you know, death at a funeral is a perfect example. Oh, yeah. Uh, death yeah. at a funeral, okay, it deals with death and funerals. It's supposed to be a sad thing, but it's a comedy. How do they do that? How do they tackle the all these elements that, that are involved in that movie in, in a funny way? In a I sense. think you so, can but, get away with it if you know. you're, I mean, for me, it, when I'm writing, if it feels true to the character for this to happen and, the, and like right. the response, the, the reaction they have to a situation, yeah. then, and the more we know the character, then the funnier we'll think it is. Right. And it's not just like, ha-ha, that's funny, like right. a joke. It's really like, oh, I find that humorous because of this disconnect, this right. irony. And you always you got know? to remember, that brings up a good point. You always have to remember that from the point of view of the character, this is dramatic this is, stuff. Yeah. There's, they're not, yeah. There's they're no not laughter when no. somebody's getting raped, for example. Yeah. You know, right. it's like, but it may be funny to the audience. So it's, a, so it's again that that d- the difference between character emotion and audience emotion. You know, you should you should be concerned with obviously creating the characters and whatever the event is, and make and make the emotions of the character true to the events. But you should also figure out, okay, what is the tone you're trying to get out of it? You want the audience to feel serious and and dramatic, or do you want them to have a chuckle out of that? You know, That's, it's you know, it's funny. Like, um, I I find certain things are never ever funny, but it's weird that certain things can be. Can be funny. Like, mm-hmm. I think way 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 back on this podcast, we're in a writing group. I can't remember. We talked about the idea that you know, on on a page, I made a client they. They killed a child, and I was okay. like, "Wasn't that in, me?" In, in the in the class, <laughs> in, in the course, did you kill a child? I did kill script? a child. Yeah, okay. in, in the course, <laughs> in the course of a, of it was a, hilarious. Of, it wasn't funny, in, oh. but in the course of of, of a script, right? And I think in the course of this script in, in particular, mm. that had a lot of lightness to it. I was like, you right. know what? You just killed your comedy, and I don't think it was you, a deep. But no, I was, but I was basically no. like, kill the uncle. That's kill hilarious. Uncle. Right. You know, don't well, see, kill this the is kid. A valid po- this is a valid but killing point. anybody yeah. should yeah. not be funny but killing the uncle funny right. killing a kid no right. for me rape never right. ever ever Fu- funny never find, right. turn around and have a woman force well, herself on a man hilarious right. Right. So, so it's a point of view it's a subjective yeah, it's a thing I mean yeah. you know what you may not find funny somebody must find funny but I do you know, I do think there are there yeah. are certain lines right. that I think those things for example those two things I just talked about right. killing a child right um, when one kills an animal, mm-hmm. you should see yeah. where how people right, go right, crazy. Right. Never right, right, funny. Right. I've got one guy in my writing group who's always throwing it in because he thinks it's hilarious, <laughs> and ev- and I he's almost he's almost killed as a result by by m- the other writers. Oh god! But <laughs> kill an animal. It's an immediate horror. It's it, right. it, it shows that a human being is is evil. If it's I, I'm I'm always amazed. Right. You mean when a he, when like a human character when kills a human an character animal. kills right. an animal yeah. right. that is never ever right. funny right. to yeah. and it's I hate to say I do think that these things are mainly subjective but I do no, they're think that, I mean, uh, that there are a lot of people believe lines. that like you but there's also there may be a lot of people who believe that that is funny and so what do you do what do you I say know. you know it's like you know there's no right or wrong when it comes to subjective things well so then know? there are people who are normal and then there are serial and, killers and I don't and really write <laughs> Well, well, that's a good example. <laughs> right. Dexter is a perfect example. Right. Dexter uh, managed to have a very uh, light tone on serial killing, and yeah. so this is a perfect example of this. Um, but he, you know, but his vi- his victims are. That's what I mean. His yeah. victims the are victims evil, right? Yeah, because, because he's the he's the hero in that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. There is a, a line right. with with Dexter. Right. So I don't. I'm never prudish when it comes to 
you know, you could definitely bring both elements in, right. but I do, I, I have found that sometimes there's just no getting beyond certain things. Right. But you, you, yeah. know you, you know what? That is actually a, a topic that's discussed a lot among uh, stand-up comedians because mm, yeah. they figure, like, you know, there's the Ricky Gervais and there's a, they all have their <laughs> thing and, and there's always that thing, well, what is what is out of bounds? Right. I mean, how do you decide what's out of bounds? Like yeah. it's, it's, In terms of discussing, make fun of. It's you like know? Sarah Silverman has a, like 50 rape jokes. Well, there you go. You know, and but it's like because she's a woman, I think it's, she it's can funny. get away with it. And okay. It's funny. She's but got fifty of them. I, yeah, you know, she has so many. <laughs> you really? should probably look it so up. Many. Let's look it up. See how what she what is, kind uh, of jokes she says. She has about so that. many, Lord. like about her grandma, about all kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Sarah. Oh goes, my god! But see, there you like, go. Oh, there you go. Carl, Gorilla Girl. There you go. Look, look at Sarah Silverman and figure it out. Carl hasn't heard the joke and he's already laughing. Yeah, no, because I'm a big kind of guy, and I haven't heard the. No, I will not. But I'm curious to go check it out because. I'm, yeah, because God. I'm what I'm have I done? Do this is totally backfired. But if I, I went up there, no. Carl went up there, you know, and told right, the same exactly. joke, people were like, that's okay. it, yeah, it's true. You, you know, know what? Actually, I'm reminded of recently there was a um, there was a story on the business um, that about this woman, this stand up comedian who who had this awful chain of events in terms of getting cancer and all that stuff and then she did this one show oh, you know yeah. what I'm talking about yeah it was it was, um, it was, it was also featured uh, on, on This American Life yeah 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 it was uh, I forget her name but uh I know exactly who it is, but so uh, so yeah. she did that one night, and Louis C.K. Uh, yeah. uh, distributed it and stuff. Mm -hmm. So the the thing about that is that she didn't know Tignataro, what she was going to do. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. And she didn't know what she was going to do that night, but she opened with you know hi, uh, you know like stand comedians do, and say hi, I have cancer, and wow. people are like, some people were laughing, some people yeah. were not, you know, because there's that thing, that subjective thing, and you know, I'm serious. But and the whole evening ended up being the most the funniest thing ever of this dark because subject. Because it was true, it was exactly. real. Exactly, you know, and it, it came from her experience, yeah. right. as opposed to right. you know, I hope that guy gets cancer. Right, now, exactly, right. exactly. That that gets that gets right. It may be shocking right. that you sort of uncomfortably. So there's all these elements the that yeah. contribute to that, and and you know, I mean, that's a whole. Other and almost has lesson, more to do really. with like human nature in a way, right? Like right. what we as a society, and also what we as what a society find acceptable. Right, that's true. That's true. But it's a great question. Yeah. I just don't know I mean, if we answered it or not. But. <laughs> it, well, I mean, it's very, like you said, it's yeah. really tricky to like walk that line. It's, it's right? a fine line. And, yeah. It's a fine line. Yeah. You know? I, uh, I I wish we could, we've got uh, two, one question that was a general question that was sent that we were going to attach, uh, 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 look at, and another that was more of a legal question. Okay. And I do want to, I'm just going to. tackle both. Uh, no, yeah. we actually can't because okay. I, I have okay. to get. This, that was my wrap-up voice. Oh, okay, um, great. Because uh, I actually have to get to class. Okay. But um, I do want to say really quickly to Ajay Bai, who asked, um, he's writing a script that centers around a fictional player of the New York Knicks. Should I be concerned with using a real team in my screenplay? I get these kind of questions all the time. And uh, Carl and I were discussing before the mics went on that we kind of give the same answer, which is for your own creative interests, you know, write whatever, but do know that if you're making it yourself, you are going to be in for a lot of money <laughs> with trying to get the rights to these things. If you're worried about protecting the rights of the studios, the studios are immediately going to say, okay, we can't do this because, or we'll get our legal team on it because. So for now, write what you want, okay, and mm -hmm. then Look at the material before you send it out and think about how you need to personally protect it mm -hmm. or how 
a, a manager or agent who gets it to the right studio would then deal with the protections the script would need before it goes into production. At some point, somebody's going to have to be paid. And unfortunately, <laughs> it's not going to be you when it right. comes to this. But <laughs> right. but uh, right. would right. would you say that that's that's yeah, yeah the absolutely yeah 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 and and everybody asks like don't me, worry about any legal things until you actually get there. Like, yeah. don't, li- my, my don't limit your creativity exactly. But exactly. when you do get there, do worry about the legal. Right. Always right. hire hire a lawyer rather than asking right. those kind of questions right. because we can only give you like from a creative point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but lawyers but, will yeah. scare you though. Well, but you know what, <laughs> yeah. lawyers they they need to they they need to sort of have you cover your butt. So this yeah, is not right. us saying don't get a lawyer. Right. It's just saying write it, right. then get a lawyer. Right. Okay. Um, so, Carl, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. It was fun. It was really fun. It's been yeah. too long. <laughs> you have you've had well, two beautiful children yes, in all this time. Yes, How I old have. are they? Uh, five and two. Five and two. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, gosh, I and, just remember. Uh, when oh you yeah, and well, we talked about the we talked about the books and the the teaching, yeah. uh, the writer's store. Um, there's one thing too that that uh, came about recently, which which came completely out of the blue, and it's it's kind of the, my field, but not really. Uh-huh. Is that um, a Coca-Cola? called me out of the blue. Coca-Cola? Uh, the VP of marketing, at the time he was in Latin America, calls me out of the blue because he's a fan of the book. Uh-huh. And they deal, yeah. you know, they deal a lot with emotional oh, advertising. That, that's true. So, and that's his, that's his thing about mm-hmm. how to take emotion. So they, they basically invited me uh, over to Mexico City to do a keynote for their marketing team. Wow. Um, and, uh, and he uh, uh, contracted me to write three commercials Whoa. for them, like three scenes of people conversing which was big, just dramatic scenes of yeah. just, just this, you know, uh, and they're going to shoot one of them. So at this wow. moment, they're shooting one of my quote commercials. It's one scene of this couple talking, um, and so uh, that's pretty exciting. Which that's... even though I've never thought of doing commercials or anything, right. but it just happened out of the blue, and it, it might actually become my first credit, even though I'm not in advertising. <laughs> How fun! Uh, but if when it comes it, out, is it a we'll Latin see. American market or? Uh, it, well, that's the or... thing. It is a Latin American market, but uh, the way they do their commercials, like they kind of put it in a in a pool and anybody uh-huh. is 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 able to use it I on see. their own thing and It'll since then and since it will be right they shoot it in english okay and then depending on which country they either uh, sub it or they oh, dub okay. it one okay. of the two um uh but and then since then he's he's been uh moved to europe and, oh. and that's why i went to london uh, last yeah, how month was london? Was it, uh, it was great it was pretty short i mean it was like a, a 11 hour flight yeah getting there and then talking the next day for like an hour and then coming and then back the next back. day for 12 hours you know I, i'm doing the same <laughs> but thing but yeah, yeah but it's yeah. like oh man so it was way too short uh but it was fun you know because they fly you business class so it was pretty yeah, comfortable one of those cool. little pod things on the yeah. Yeah. business class at coca-cola well, this is so wrong why it's not fair oh it's not fair well, i know i don't get business class. coke has more money than screenwriters yeah, no kidding. well that's you know that's right they have a lot of <laughs> a lot of money <laughs> but anyway so we'll see when it comes out when it that's comes awesome. out and i see a spot do you have an you know. overall uh, website people can go to to find out what uh, you're doing? Yes, yes. Uh, iglesias.com. Carl Iglesias yes. and spell Iglesias because they'll, oh, they'll spell, sure. spell it wrong. It's, well, it's Carl name. with a K. Carl with a K. <laughs> I-G-L-E-S-I-A-S.com. Okay. So, Everybody go to it. Thank you. you. Can, yes. And put up your, you know, a link to your commercials when, uh, when that's well, Absolutely, I will. As, as, soon as, as soon as I have a spot and stuff, I'll definitely <laughs> put it on YouTube and, you know, and, and spread the word because that's pretty exciting. It's yeah. like technically my first 
production. And Adeep does, <laughs> you know? uh, should people so, follow you on Twitter? Yeah. At Adeep? You can see Adeep and you can see Adeep. all my crazy stuff that's happening. Yeah. Oh, you have so, a lot of crazy stuff well, happening? Adeep was on, I was just uh, on Worst on Cooks in America. For Food Network. Yeah. Worst Cooks in America? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is, has it been out already? Yeah. The, he was voted off. I was voted <laughs> Oh. <laughs> There's no vote. I was just kicked off. Uh, it was, oh, that's uh, right. I three, kicked <laughs> off. Right. Three episodes in, I got kicked off. Um and I made some pretty epic mistakes. Uh, the the M and M's in the pasta was my favorite. <laughs> oh, you saw it? I yeah, he made like pasta though. mole with uh, M and M's. Oh like, my god! What, you know, you know, it became our big family uh, family TV night. I was know. watching Pat you. Was telling me, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. We'd be shouting at it like, "What are you doing, Adeep? <laughs> Stop frying the cheese! What?" So, People oh, that sounds think like fun. That I murder, like committed genocide because I put gr- cheese on a pan. You know, oh. like the, people are. Crazy. Crazy you put cheese it. on a pan? Yeah, see that, Carl. Yeah, <laughs> grilled cheese. I just yeah. Was, well, no, it's not that thing. It's an unheard of. Yeah. Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, this is really not unheard of. I actually heard of um, for people who are into low carb things, you can actually make chips, like yeah. chips made out of cheese. And yeah, what you do is you put the cheese and you bake it, and it just becomes ah, this yeah. crusty. This is on a hot grill. Thing. Yeah. This was, <laughs> wow. I grilled He wanted cheese. a nice sear on it. Oh, my oh God. God. Yes. But, um, so this is turning into the cooking show yeah, at Pilar's. But, 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 um, but Rita can't stop watching it now, and she comes oh, back and she reports. And then we're going to have a deep um, over for Easter night, and I'm going to teach him how to make veggie chili. Oh, and the girls wow. are acting like a total movie star is coming out right <laughs> That's like, so cool. Oh, Adip is going to cook here. I'm like, yeah. Right. Adip is going to Kids are here. my. I got demo. the connections, girls. <laughs> I'm telling you, kids are my number one fans. They, well, hands you made down. With, with M&M's. Yeah, M&M's and cheese. That's what kids like. <laughs> you know. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so at Adip, A A D I P. Yep. Yeah, on um, Twitter. So and anywhere else, anybody should follow you. I mean, Adip.com. There's I post uh, you know blog articles and and then essays and stuff like oh, cool. that. Cool, Adip.com. So, yeah, excellent. Yeah. And um, I am uh, doing a couple things I want to remember to tell you about. So on April third at the Writer Studio in Sherman Oaks, there will be the Coffee Break Screenwriter Class. It's three hours from going to premise to pages. It will kick your butt into streamlining your writing process and you'll actually be leaving almost having outlined the whole thing i mean it's 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 a pretty intense class class. i am finally going to be teaching that online in my first live my first live Live webinar webinar. from on the page i've done them through writer store whatever but we're doing a coffee break screenwriter live webinar april 13th saturday morning in LA, 10 a.m. should be other times in the rest of the world. And go to the website; it is on there right now. It's half the cost of the live class. Would people be able to download? Yeah, episodes and stuff? yeah. What'll happen is we're just going to do it as a three-hour one-shot. It's going to be taped, so even if you sign up for it, I'll send you the tape afterwards, and you can look at it then. Um, also, so that's April third and thirteenth. Also, um, I will be. Uh, in Belfast. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, That's pretty much as long as London. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also talking to Dublin right now, so it'd be really oh, great because yeah? it's St. Patty's Day. I'm oh, hoping all these things come together cool. at one time. Right. But definitely in Belfast for the uh, 
Belfast uh, International Screenwriting Festival. Screenwriting Festival. Cool. I, forgot I love it how all the countries now are getting their own yeah. screenwriting yeah. thing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, before you go to Dublin, talk to me. And I lived there for a while. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, it's, cross your fingers. I'm hoping yeah. that that comes through. And uh, May in Warsaw, Poland, uh, through wow. something called Script Fiesta. Um, so definitely go to onthepage.tv, check out all the stuff that's going on. Also, don't, don't forget the monthly membership where you can send in two pages every single week and it culminates in a Q&A uh, webinar at the very end. So yeah. um, thank you very much again, Adib, for, yeah. for, for hosting. Thank you so much, Carl, for being You're here. You're very welcome. It was Yay. my pleasure. It was a treat. And let's do it again. Um, yep. You got my email. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We'll do it again. All right. Take care, everyone. Take Happy care. writing. Have a good writing week.